You're listening to an Ono Media Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. I'm the husband. We have another Dear Daisy coming your way. If you don't know, Dear Daisy are our version of listener stories. They are written in by you guys, and we read them live on this episode. They can be anything from hauntings, a connection with true crime, something weird that happened in your neighborhood. I mean, honestly, anything. So... And Daisy is sleeping peacefully on Peyton's lap. Very excited. She's going to listen to every single one of these. All right, let's get into them. This first one is called My Deceased Dad Saved My Brother From Dying by Colby. Dear Daisy, hi Peyton, Garrett, and Daisy. I was inspired to share this story after listening to the Dear Daisy episode where you talked about deceased loved ones visiting you in your dreams. I'm the youngest of five children, and we are all super close. My father passed away pretty suddenly in 2019 from pneumonia, and this loss shook my family pretty deeply. Unfortunately, we were rocked by another tragedy later that year when my brother-in-law suffered a workplace accident that almost cost him his life. My brother-in-law was working about two hours away from the nearest city, doing some plumbing on a client's property while they were out of town. The job required him to be on top of a 50-foot roof. I don't know the details about what the job exactly was. He was trying to take a call when he lost his balance and fell off the roof onto the frozen ground below. Wow. By the grace of God, the friend he was on the phone with when he fell off the roof had heard some commotion before the call disconnected. Although he could have just assumed the call dropped because of poor service, just to be safe, he called my sister to inform her. She was at home with their three children, all under six years old at the time. My sister said the next few hours were the most terrifying moments of her life as she frantically called around trying to figure out what property my brother-in-law was at. Yeah. Thankfully, she was able to figure out where he was and an ambulance was dispatched. They said by the time they got there, he was completely delirious from the pain and had likely been there for hours waiting for someone to come find him. Although my brother-in-law doesn't remember anything about the accident, we knew he was conscious after he fell off the roof at least some time because we found photos on his phone of his shattered legs with both femurs sticking out through his thick snow pants. Oh, so he was taking pictures? He likely took the pictures while in a state of complete shock. We will never know. When the paramedics finally got to the scene, there were drag marks of blood in the snow where my brother-in-law had crawled to try to get service to call for help. The service was very spotty because he was so far out of town. By some miracle, he had no head trauma other than a mild concussion and his two broken femurs. He was very lucky he didn't bleed out. My brother-in-law doesn't remember anything after slipping off the roof. Which is probably a good thing. He did say he had a very vivid dream after that still gives me goosebumps. He said he opened his eyes and was standing in the aisle of a plane that was mostly empty with a few people on board. As he made his way down the aisle toward the back of the plane, he started to realize that everyone on board were people he knew that had died. As he looked toward the back of the plane, He saw my dad. This is like Lost. Has anyone seen Lost? Yeah. This is crazy. He moved toward him and sat in the seat next to him. My dad looked at him with concern and said, what are you doing here? My brother-in-law said, I'm not sure, but I think I'm supposed to be on this plane. My dad immediately got up and said, no, you don't belong here. 
Although my brother-in-law was trying to insist he stay with my dad, my dad ushered him out of his seat and down the long plane aisle toward the door, insisting that he had to get off the plane right now. He shoved my brother-in-law out the plane door and then, boom, he's waking up in the hospital. Oh my gosh, that's nuts. That is nuts. I I hear a lot of these like, oh, let me gather my thoughts. I feel like a lot of people when they're on the brink of death, they all talk about visions and um, dreams and situations that they have like this. She said, typing this out brings tears to my eyes. Even from heaven, my dad was looking out for our family and making sure my sister's husband made his way back home to her and their three beautiful children. After many surgeries and countless hours of physiotherapy over the last four years, my brother-in-law is back to walking almost normal with nothing but a slight limp. Thank you for reading this story, and I hope it makes it to one of your Dear Daisy episodes. I love Murder With My Husband. I started listening to your podcast weekly back when you only had about 10 episodes uploaded. Holy crap, that's that's amazing. I consider myself an OG Murder With My Husband fan, and I recommend your podcast often to other true crime lovers. Thank you for making Monday one of my favorite days of the week. Sincerely, Colby K. from Canada. Oh, I... That would be... I don't know, experiencing something like that is, I feel like you can't understand how it feels unless you experience it. Like having one of those dreams or visions. There's also That's pretty mind-blowing. There's also just something so amazing um, about our bodies and our minds and how they go into protection mode. Yeah. So he can fall 50 feet, break both his femurs. And not and suffer, not, kind of? Kind of, like, not really realize what's happening. His body and mind probably just immediately depersonalized. Shock. Shut it, down. Yeah, went, went into, into shock. shock. He was able to get his phone. I don't know if the pictures were by accident, but trying to call 911, but not remember it. So nuts. It, that's a good point. It is pretty... Just incredible. Like, unfathomable what your body can and do can in do. the situations. Yeah. So the next one is called Ghost in Gettysburg. This one's by Christy. It says, hello, Peyton and Garrett. I know everyone says this, but I am a huge fan. I first found you on TikTok when you only had five episodes. Since then, I've gone. Oh, I feel like it's a, it's a competition. I found you at 10 episodes. Yeah. No, I found you at five. Since then, I've gotten everyone in my family listening to your podcast. I look forward to them every week. I also enjoy Into the Dark as well. Keep up the good work. For those who found us under like 20, 30, 40 episodes. That's pretty impressive because I'm, I don't even know, like I don't even know how people found us. We, we were just posting podcast episodes. I'm going to assume Chrissy found us on YouTube because we posted on TikTok. No, once but we, we weren't, we YouTube. weren't even, she said 10 ep, under five episodes on YouTube. Oh, okay. That's what I'm assuming. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I, I could be wrong, I mean. but when we were on TikTok is when we were starting YouTube. So there would have only been five on YouTube. That's a good point. Okay. So she said, but yeah, when you think back to like people who started listening at five, mm -hmm. you're like, you were one of the 50 that I was freaking out yeah, over. Yeah. So she said, I'm going to try my best to explain and recreate our encounter. I live in Pennsylvania, not too far from Gettysburg. A family member was home from the military, so we had lots of family in town. We all decided to spend the day in Gettysburg, and there were nine of us total who decided to go that day. It was the summer of 2010, and we were wrapping up our day at Devil's Den. I don't remember the exact time, but it was starting to get dark. My daughter, my son, my mother, my cousin, and her daughter, along with myself, 
were at the top of Devil's Den Rock Formation. It was just a dirt path, and keep in mind, it was before they paved the paths and put in the stairs. My daughter, who was 13 at the time, was behind me on the path, and she came up to me shaking. Before I go any further, let me put into perspective the layout. The trail is only a few feet wide. If someone is walking towards you on the trail, you have to step into the grass to not bump into them. So when walking on the path, you mostly have to be in single file line if you want to stay on the path. Okay. We are walking down the path, heading in the direction to go back to the parking lot with the rock formation on our right. I've attached a photo for you for easier reference. I circled where we were standing at the time. And these photos will be on our Instagram if you want to check it out. And trust me, you're going to want to check it out. When I say shaking, her daughter, I'm not referring to a jitter that you get when you've had too much coffee. She was petrified. Her whole body was shaking along with the look of absolute fear in her face. Hmm. So, of course, I wrapped my arms around her and asked her what was wrong. She said, who is that man, mom? I glanced to my left because now I am facing the rocks and I see a black silhouette of a man. I can't make out any features due to the sun setting, but I can tell he's not facing us. The best description I could give you is if you are looking at a person in complete darkness and the only source of light is behind that person. So they're just a black silhouette. It's kind of like a shadow in a sense. To reassure my daughter, I state very loud, oh, it's just a man. Very quietly, while still hearing the trembling in her voice, she says, no, mom, he felt like cold wind and his clothes are really weird. I am still looking in the direction of the silhouette and as if it was slow motion, The silhouette turns his head to look at us. Oh, I'd be throwing hands at this point. The slow motion and the way he turned was like nothing I have ever seen. I can't even explain or reference a horror movie to give you a full visual for how the man turned to look in our direction. I still cannot see any features, even though he's only about five feet away from us. I started using the flash of my Nikon digital camera to get a better look at this man. He was no longer there. It was as if he just vanished the second I turned the flash on. But in my logical mind, I assumed he ran down the path, maybe to the parking lot, because that is the same direction he was going. But we were walking in the same direction, and he's just not there anymore. At this point, I'm pretty concerned for the safety of not only my daughter, but the other children in our group. If a guy's like showing up and then running away, I felt very uneasy and just wanted to leave. I ended up taking several pictures of complete darkness, the rocks and the bushes, because I was using my flash as a light source. The encounter with the silhouette man only lasted a few minutes and he never responded to us talking or do my camera flashes. Something inside me knew this wasn't normal. He wasn't a normal man just walking the trails and paths. The uneasy feeling I got was supernatural. Let me be the first to tell you that I never believed in the supernatural. I never Mm. discredited other people's encounters, but I was just very skeptical. The park closes at dusk, so there is a park ranger parked in the parking lot to assure everyone leaves at dark. There are several people walking around because it is a popular location at Gettysburg. So I gather my group at the bottom of the rock formation and start looking through the pictures on the small digital screen of the camera. Now, this part makes no logical sense. Remember when I stated the man was only five feet from me at the top of the stairs when I took the first picture using my flash? As you can see in the picture, he is now at the bottom of the stairs. You can clearly see a man in what looks like a blue suit or uniform with a hat and a strap around his shoulder. I've attached the original photo with no enhancements. Let me see. 
Show me this photo. Wait, let me keep going. If okay, you okay. zoom into the center, you can see him. I have also attached an enhanced photo for you as well. So she just messed with the lighting so you can yeah, yeah. see it better. So here's the photo, which you can't really see it, but you can kind of see that little line right there. Sure. Okay. So she changed the exposure on the photo. Interesting. Keep in mind, there's no one in front of them. Okay. Okay. But when she looks at the picture, the this is the first picture she took when her mom's like, no, there's a guy there. And so she got her, she got, and he, she said what something and he didn't leave. F- so she got her phone out. Better not be lying to me. So remember how she's like, it seemed like he ran away. Yeah. He was five feet in front of him. She took the picture. Now there's nothing five feet in front of them. Well, he's farther away, but it does look. It looks like, like an, something. It looks like, like a, an old army. Yeah. I think we're in no, Gettysburg. It does. It really does. It looks like a shoulder strap. It looks like a uniform. There even looks like a hat kind I of. I swear, if you mess with this picture, I'm going to be pissed. But it does. I'm not going to lie. Everybody, it does look kind of real. We'll post this on Instagram and we'll show it on YouTube as well. So for anyone listening on podcast audio, go check out Instagram. We'll have it on there. So if you're not going to, I'll just describe the picture. It's dark. They're clearly in the rocks. It's very dark. Um, there's nothing clearly in front of them. But yes, into the picture, right in the center. It does look like someone It does is there. look like someone is standing there. She said, I talked to several people who were walking by and asked if they had seen a man with this description walking around. Each person we asked said no. I went up to the park ranger. I briefly told him about this strange man and his description based on the photo. He stated... I cannot comment on your picture. I can't even look at it at all. All I can tell you is that I have not been out of my car and my uniform is green. So then I turned and asked my daughter, can you please tell me what you mean about his clothes and that he felt like wind? At this point, she was able to tell me in much more detail that she heard someone walking up behind her, her younger brother and her younger cousin. So they all stepped to the side into the grass to let him by. She said as he brushed up against her, it was a cold burst of air. She stated, it was almost like he walked right through me. She was looking down while he passed and saw his feet, which did not have shoes on. She described it as he was wearing just the bottom part of the shoe tied to his feet with what looked like string or rope. Our drive home was very interesting as everyone who encountered this man had their version to tell. We all talk about this encounter to this day. After doing some research, I found out that soldiers during the Battle of Gettysburg would take shoes from the dead due to the lack of resources. If the shoes were worn out or too small, they would just tie the soles of the shoes to their feet with shoelaces. The man is also wearing the blue Confederate uniform along with the white strap that holds his canteen. We really believe that we saw a lost soul of the Gettysburg battle. Thank you so much for sharing your story because we live so close to Gettysburg. We go there often, but have Mm. never encountered anything like this. I've attached the pictures for you to see. The first picture is of the man with no enhancements. Second picture is of nothing but darkness. Third picture is the bottom of the stairs, which show other people walking. These are the people that said they didn't see anything. The fourth picture is an enhanced version of the original picture, which you will very clearly see the ghost. The fifth picture is the devil's den location for reference. Super interesting because let me tell you why, everybody. Let me get in a good sitting position. I. I am very off and on on anything paranormal. I have days where I'm like, okay, yeah, definitely true. And I have days where I'm like, no, this is all bull crap. Like none of this exists. Like there isn't got ghosts walking around. I don't know. It always gets my brain racking because I don't even know what I believe. I don't even know what I think. But I feel like we do need to do a 
we need to go somewhere haunted and just see what happens. Just Here's, sit there. I just want. I'm just gonna sit there for three, four hours. Here's my thing. Okay. I've, you know, I grew up going to cemeteries with friends at night uh-huh. or abandoned houses, or we even went to the Winchester house. Yes. Never there have I been like, oh, there's ghosts, or I can yes. just feel it, or like, I, you know, it's spooky because yes. you're out in the dark. Yeah, and it's a little so like eerie, you get, you get in jumpy. Your, you get in your head a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh, there's yeah. Gonna... But I'm never like, oh man, you know, I saw. But I will say, I've been in other places where I walk in and I'm just like, you get the chills. Ah, this is just like feels weird. Like, yeah, it's just something off. And I've returned to places like I'm talking people's homes, like specific rooms in homes where i would go back multiple times and just be like i just don't like this feeling mm-hmm. i don't like it here i don't like this so i don't know I, I don't know either i those pictures are pretty crazy um for me the ugh. thing that sells it for me it isn't the even the picture uh-huh. that's not even like the biggest proof for me it's that the daughter said that when he walked by he was wearing shoes that only had a shoe and his foot was on top and their laces and then they looked it up and they would do that in the war yeah that okay i didn't think how would a little girl know that yeah that part's weird how would a little girl know well mom he was wearing she told her that night she told her that yeah that's weird Mm -hmm. that for me is the biggest thing yeah i agree okay one more last one says i think my grandmom killed my granddad what the and it is anonymous oh my gosh all right let's hear this if if I report this to police, don't be mad at me. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm on a snitch. Dear Daisy, I think my grandmom killed my granddad. I know this sounds a tad dramatic, but listen to my story and see if you agree. My grandparents were born and raised in the same tiny Alabama town. My grandmom dropped out of the all-girls college to marry my granddad when they were 19 years old. She's always said she married him for his blue eyes with hope her children would have blue eyes too. Mm. Unfortunately, her four children having blue eyes was one of the only things she felt she gained from marrying my granddad. When I was an adult, she confided in me that their marriage was tumultuous. She claimed to have dealt with affairs and verbal and physical abuse at the hands of my granddad for their entire 70-year marriage. Oh, I'm sorry. Growing up, neither my cousins nor I saw this side of their marriage. All eight of us have amazing memories of summers, sleepovers, and holidays with our grandparents. We loved our granddad's jokes, playfulness, and the way he would snuggle us in protective hugs, which is why when our granddad suddenly passed away at 92 years old, we were all sad. It's pretty, pretty old. Yeah, it was pretty old. I called my grandmom the moment I heard he had passed. I expected her to be crying or at least sad. I mean, Was she cheering and partying? She just lost the man she had been married to for 70 years. But using a cheerful voice, she told me about his death. She described that he had come home from a lunch outing with his lifelong friend, ranting about how my grandmom wasn't the same as his high school girlfriend, Anne. I mean, he's 92 too, so it's just so funny. (laughs) Hearing about the beautiful and perfect Anne again was more than my grandmom could take, so she spent the afternoon finding tasks to complete around the house. She gave him the silent treatment as she joined him for dinner in the kitchen, and then she went to bed in her own bedroom. Yes, they'd been sleeping in separate bedrooms for at least 10 years. The next morning, she made breakfast and drank her coffee in peace as she waited for him to wake up. I, I, feel, like, I, feel, like that, I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah, that, Those aren't like huge red flags to me. Only he didn't seem to be coming out of his bedroom, so she walked into his room to find him still dressed in his clothes from the day before, laying down on his back on top of the covers, as if he was taking a quick nap. She said she instantly knew he was dead, but she stared for a moment before checking to see if he was alive. 
She walked over to his body and touched his hand, noting how cold it was. She said, and I'm quoting this, I cannot get these words out of my mind. I had to check him three times to make sure he was really dead. It really was the best day of my life. <laughs> the freak. Oh my gosh. She went on to tell me that she had felt trapped in their marriage and now she was finally feeling freedom. Okay, grandma. I asked if she needed anything and she said I could buy her gift cards so she could go shopping. It was this moment when I began to suspect that maybe something was off. Sorry, this is not funny, but it's like... It's kind of nuts. Yeah. yeah. At, fir at first, I took the cheerful tone to be her trying to put on a brave face for me. Then the feeling of freedom as maybe that she was still in shock that her life partner had passed. No, grandma was pumped. But the shopping comment was something I could not excuse away. A few days later, I called again to check on her. She said she was having a party for her granddaddy. I said... <laughs> I said, oh, like a celebration of life? She said, no, a thank goodness he's dead party. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Um, I've had some grandparents that have talked to, like, they, this is exact, this is exactly how they would act. A hundred percent. Well, and if it was truly a lifetime of abuse, physical abuse, yes. I mean, we're, we're having to, t you know, word, word of mouth here because the writer said they never yes. saw that side of him. But if that was truly the life, I mean. I mean, some of my grandparents they never even had abuse or anything like that. And I feel like they were still talk to they each still, other. This yeah. Way. They would still talk to each other this way. She says, I literally sat in a shock. Well, I don't even know if it's a she. I literally sat in a shocked silence, listening to her explain that her and her children sat around eating cake and making fun of granddaddy. She said she had him cremated, even though he specifically requested to be buried in his plot beside his parents and brother. Oh, she said, I don't give any Fs. I hung up the phone with a heavy sadness and uh. messaged my cousins on social media to get their take on grandma's behavior. None of us could understand why she was behaving this way. A few days later, I called again Crazy. to see how she was doing, still holding out hope, but maybe she'd just been in shock. She sounded out of breath as she explained that she was working in her garden, digging up the remains of my granddad's rabbit that died 30 years ago. Oh no, what's happening? Apparently, my granddad loved his rabbit so much that he kept his final litter with his final bits of poop. The poop was in a plastic bag in the garage, but the rabbit had been buried in a metal box in the backyard. My grandmother placed my grandfather's remains in a wooden box with a 30-year-old rotting rabbit carcass and poop so he could be buried with his greatest oh, love. Oh, that's nice. It's been three years since he passed. While I have no concrete proof she killed him, I'm certain she did want him dead. It would have been as easy as letting him forget to take his heart medicine for a few weeks or replacing one medication for something you could buy over the counter. A 92-year-old man dying of seemingly natural causes peacefully in his home did not raise any suspicions and an autopsy was never performed. Yeah. Actually, when she called the police to report his death, they instructed the funeral home to come pick up his body. There was never even the slightest thought that something more sinister might have happened. My grandma is a smart woman who has spent her life downplaying her intelligence because of... Dude, grandma's... Grandma's kind of sneaky. Because the southern woman of her era from her tiny town weren't supposed to be smart. They were expected to be submissive. I think she leaned on her lifelong experience of pretending to be a sweet, submissive southern belle to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. I love your podcast. I just recently found you on YouTube. I love to have you guys on in the background at work to keep me company. Give Daisy a good doggy belly rub from me. And that's from Anonymous. I think my grandmom killed my granddad. I don't know. I I would say after hearing it, I don't think she did. I think she... Because she could have done it earlier. Yeah, and I think she was just like, oh, 
I finally get some alone time. Yeah, I think she was on. She probably was happy. 70 years later. Here we go. So especially because she dug up the whole the bunny thing and with him. I mean, that was. That but, was but it was kind of sinister because she was kind of taking a stab at him saying to be with his greatest love, meaning it wasn't her. Yeah, that's true, too. It's yeah, yeah, bittersweet, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, that's what we got for your days this week. Please keep submitting them. We like doing them. They're fun doing. It's really fun just to hear like about your guys' lives and what's going on. And I'm going to not be a snitch. We're going to let grandma pass on this one. And we will see you guys next week. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.